Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. What really motivates people? Hello, everyone. Kevin Cruz here. And in just a minute, we're going to talk about scientific ways to lead, energize, and engage your team members. But first, don't forget to visit leadx.org, where you'll find hundreds of articles from the best leadership and career experts out there. Leadx.org. Our guest today is a professor at the University of San Diego and a senior consulting partner with the Ken Blanchard Companies. She's a best-selling author, and her newest book is Why Motivating People Doesn't Work and What Does, The New Science of Leading, Energizing, and Engaging. Our guest is Susan Fowler. Susan, welcome to the show. You know what, Kevin, thank you, but I don't like the emphasis you put on senior consulting partner. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask a show producer to take it out afterwards. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So, Susan, we're going to talk about uh, the new book in just a second. But first, will you share with our listeners a time from your career, maybe early in your career, you know, when you uh, when you failed at something, when you struggled and what did you learn from it? I've actually been really reminded of something recently because my name is Susan Fowler, uh, but I'm not the Susan J. Fowler from Uber, who has gotten a lot of notoriety lately because she uh, was filing sexual discrimination uh, accusations and, and you know, really, really being a whistleblower of what happened to her at Uber. And so I've been getting a lot of Susan Fowler's mail <laughs> and, and media requests. Um, and so it reminded me of a time early in my career when I was so excited. It was one of my first advertising jobs. And I went in as a junior account executive and I was just working my tail off, Kevin. I mean, I mean, really, you know, 18 hour days, weekends, just really trying to make it happen. And I got uh, kind of a, a break when my boss said that he wanted me to be an assistant on a gubernatorial uh, race in another state for Canada in another state. And that meant flying, you know, and, and being in the back rooms with the smoke filled rooms and coming right. up with strategy. It was really exciting. So we get on the airplane and he happened to know some people on the airplane and he introduces me to them. And as he did that, I noticed that, you know, these guys would kind of pat him on the shoulder, wink, wink, you know, kind of mm. snowing smile. And I started feeling really diminished. And yeah. I thought, wow, what's going on there? And so it was just uncomfortable from the very beginning. And then after dinner, when he had a little bit too much wine, um, let's just say that it was a very inappropriate um, couple of minutes there where I just I, I just had to leave. And I didn't just leave the dinner afterwards. Um, I went home. I literally left and I realized I couldn't work for a man that would treat me that way. Right. And back then we didn't know that we could actually you know, charge for, for sexual abuse or whatever. Um, and so I thought I've got to leave. And I was young. I was poor. I was still paying off my uh, college loans. And I thought, what am I going to do? And I literally, when I walked in the door to my house, my phone started ringing and it was a man named Chuck Bartholomew who owned the coolest advertising agency in Denver. And he was offering me a job. Wow. And I was like, what? And it was for the coolest account in Denver at the time, which was Celestial Seasoning Herb Teas. It was just the coolest opportunity. And I said, well, how did this happen? And he said, well, 
I've just heard a lot about you uh, and your work through um, the Advertising Association. And I had, I had actually started an Advertising Association for Young People and become the national president of the national organization. And it was through those efforts and through my network that he'd heard about me. And he didn't even interview me. He just called to offer me the job. And that's when I realized that if you stand up for yourself, you do what's right, and you've been laying the groundwork, you've been doing the hard work, that things can fall into place. And so I, I guess I've always worked hard for that reason, but always worked hard out of love, not because of fear and not because I feel like it's something I had to do. And that's what led to my work and motivation was to, to try to understand what's behind my work ethic, what's behind the reason I do what I do. So that's my story. Susan, th thanks for sharing that. I'm glad the story had a happy ending career-wise uh, for mm -hmm. you. And it is a great reminder of the old you know, saying, dig your well before you're thirsty. You know, it's, it's, mm. I, it's sad when I get emails or calls from friends who are 50 something years old and they've been surprised that they've been uh, let go from their company. And they're just now setting up their profile on LinkedIn. They're just now getting in touch with, with old colleagues. And you were really hustling at a young age and it paid yeah. off immediately. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So, Susan, your book is Why Motivating People Doesn't Work and What Does. So let's start. I mean, it's provocative. Why doesn't motivating people work? Yeah, I'm glad you said the whole title because so often people <laughs> forget that there's the, actually the what does because there's so many reasons that it doesn't work. And I think people know that motivating people doesn't work, but they don't know what to do instead. But the reason motivating people doesn't work is not just because motivation is an inside out phenomenon but because people are already motivated. Mm. They just may not be motivated the way you want them to be motivated. So if someone comes to your meeting and they're not paying attention or they're multitasking or they're checking their, you know, their texts all the time, they're motivated. They're just not motivated to listen to you or to engage in the meeting. And so what we really have to understand is that people are always motivated. The question is not if, the question is why. And until we understand the why behind people's motivation, then trying to motivate people is just it's just a waste of time. It, it not only doesn't work, but it irritates people. <laughs> right. I think that's that's why there are some jokes and things out there about the motivational speakers that, you know, fall flat or the mm -hmm. the pep talks from the boss or whatever that might be. And this so this leads into you say it's really about the the why, you know, of, of their mm -hmm. motivation. So so how do we get to that? How how can we not motivate people with our own stuff, but but work with how they are already motivated? Yeah, that's a great question. And there's two breakthroughs in motivation science that I think are really worth talking about. One of them may seem really obvious, but then when you look at practical application, it's not. And that is this idea that it is our human nature to want to thrive, that people want to flourish. Now, the reason that is not really common practice is if you look at the statistics on disengagement, for example, and, and we say that there's, you know, majority of people in their work are disengaged. I think that a lot of um, business owners, managers, leaders, entrepreneurs think, oh, well, people are basically lazy. People are disengaged unless we can give them something or do something to make them engaged. They've got a wrong-headed approach from the very beginning. I think what we need to be able to say is, People want to thrive, people want to flourish, and if they're not, 
why? Why aren't they? And so what's exciting, the second breakthrough in motivation science is that we now understand the science behind what makes people thrive. And that is that people have three psychological needs that need to be satisfied. And if those three psychological needs, which are as every bit important to our thriving as our biological needs, mm. if those psychological needs are not satisfied, then people will be suboptimally motivated. They will um, over time become disengaged. So motivating people is about finding ways to help people satisfy there are three psychological needs for autonomy, relatedness, and competence. And those three things have been written about before, but what happens is other authors always want to kind of put their own stamp on it. And I really want to honor the research that's been done by Dr. Edward D.C. and Richard Ryan and this entire community of self-determination research uh, theorists and, and, and researchers um, and those are the three terms they use, and they use them for a reason. So just remember it by ARC, um, autonomy, relatedness, and competence. Autonomy, relatedness, and competence, ARC. I'm big with uh, mnemonics and things, so I appreciate that. <laughs> well, I, I am until you have to go globally, and then I hate it because, it, you know, it never it never turns out right. <laughs> right. In another language. <laughs> Might have just insulted everybody, right? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so the other thing I'm always fascinated about is, you know, how much of employee engagement is just from our own intrinsic, our internal motivation. And in my own work, I mean, it was, uh, I'd written about employee engagement, was doing talks. And over and over again, the managers who were in the workshop or the speech would, someone would raise their hand and, you know, he would say, why is it always the manager's fault? Like, shouldn't we be bringing our best self to work? Isn't this about, mm -hmm. you know, shouldn't we just show up and give our best attitude to our employer? And um, I, there's not, I have not been able to find a lot of research on this issue of, um, you know, what are the drivers of engagement in terms of intrinsic versus extrinsic? I think there's one study I've seen, but what are your views? views on that. Well, and I can send you a boatload of research. Um, my husband happens to be the head of research for the Ken Blanchard companies and for three years has won the cutting edge research award uh, because of the work on employee engagement or what, what we're calling employee work passion. And so his work on employee work passion and my work on motivation, we um, are, are publishing and have published uh, work integrating those two concepts because they're different. So employee work passion is the upper end of engagement. Um, and it's a, a state of being. Um, and it's, it's some place that people get to over time after they have experiences on a daily basis. I, I would like you to think of motivation is what fuels engagement. Mm. And so if your motivation is what we call optimal, then you will eventually or over time you'll experience employee engagement or uh, employee work passion if your motivation is suboptimal on a frequent basis then that's when you get you that's the road that leads you to disengagement or active disengagement and the other thing that's happened Kevin is that we have gotten so hung up on this concept of intrinsic motivation. Um, and so what's really important is to understand that the research says there's actually six different ways of being motivated and only one of them is purely intrinsic. And so if you're not already intrinsically motivated to do something, because that's what intrinsic means, right. you love something for the sake of doing it, not for any kind of external reward for doing it, um, you either love it or you don't. Um, it's not like I'm going to start, I hate running, but I'm going to start running and, and become intrinsically motivated. That's not the way intrinsic motivation works. 
However, there are other forms of motivation that have proven to be actually even more powerful than intrinsic motivation. And that is what I'm calling aligned motivation. When you're doing something and you can you can directly align whatever you're doing to a value that's really important to you that brings a sense of meaning to your work. Yeah. Or if you are aligned, what we call the integrated motivational outlook where it almost feels intrinsic, but it's actually because you um, have a deep sense of purpose because there's something so profoundly um, meaningful that goes even beyond the conscious value to an unconscious or it's not unconscious, but it's, it's developed, but now it becomes unconscious. Like, I'm a vegetarian. I started off, I was aligned. I had values around becoming a vegetarian, but now I would be integrated. I don't even think about it. It's mm. just who I am, but I'll never be intrinsically motivated to be a vegetarian because I love to meat. Right, right. You know, so, it, so it was through my values and a sense of purpose that I became a vegetarian 35 years ago and um, have never wavered in that. Wow. Because my motivation is optimal. And so what happens is because we don't understand these different forms of motivation, what a lot of managers and leaders do is they default to suboptimal motivation, external rewards or mm -hmm. imposed pressure, tension. You know, look what happened at Wells Fargo. Um, they created such a culture of pressure and tension that people did unethical behavior because they couldn't cope with that kind of pressure and tension. So nothing good in the long term and very little in the short term comes good out of suboptimal motivation. So here's what I'm going to ask, Susan, because this I'm fascinated by this. And with this introductory uh, interview, mm -hmm. we're not able to go as deep as I'd like. But what I'm hoping you'll do for, for me and our listeners is send me some links to some of that research. I'd love to see that. And then we'll reschedule a follow up interview to go even deeper just on this topic of intrinsic motivation. Oh, that'd be great, because I think that what's happened is people think, well, we can't intrinsically motivate our people, so we have to resort to extrinsic motivation. Right. And what I need people to hear is that there's alternatives, and they're proven. We've, we've, we've uh, vetted this literally around the world. Um, it's very exciting, and I'm working with a lot of sales organizations right now to literally change the culture around incentives and bonuses and, and all the external rewards that we think work but really don't. That's an amazing topic because I think in any uh, job type, generally people think that the salespeople are the easiest to motivate. Oh, salespeople just want money. You just need to <laughs> tweak, right. tweak the commission plan, right? <laughs> take the cap off their bonus structure, right? right? And they go to that external cash reward more than any other group. It's the salespeople. And you're saying there's a better way. Oh, and they would be so much happier. <laughs> and so, yeah, so it's, it's very exciting, the work that's being done. It's cutting edge. It takes a lot of, um, you know, being willing and able to embrace a, a new paradigm. You might hate that word. Maybe it's kind of trite. But the fact is, we are so entrenched with outdated beliefs mm. regarding motivation that we really have to literally begin by changing our belief systems. Yeah, no, I, no pun intended, but I, I believe that for sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. So Susan, before we wrap up, I always like to challenge our listeners to become a little bit better every single day. And I like them to anchor, you know, a takeaway from our conversation, from the work that you're doing. So challenge us. What's something that we can actually do today? Okay, I'm going to talk really fast because I know it's supposed to be one thing, and it is one thing. <laughs> it's, it's to ask yourself some questions. Okay. But the questions are really important, and I write a lot about these. Um, so 
it's questions to understand your own autonomy, relatedness, and competence, and to infuse that into your everyday work. So regarding autonomy, you need to ask yourself every day, what choices do I have? And then at the end of the day, ask yourself, what choices did I make? Because that starts to help you understand that you do have choices and that the outcomes of your day are oftentimes because of the way you chose to handle things. The second psychological need for relatedness, we need to ask ourselves questions like, how did I demonstrate my values today? And if you don't even know what your values are, then you need to start by, by developing right, your right. values. Um, but then how did, how did I contribute to something greater than myself today? How did I contribute to something beyond my own self-interests? And then for competence, simply asking yourself at the end of every day, instead of what did I get done and checking off your to-do list, what if you ask yourself, what did I learn today? Mm. How did I grow? What did I learn today that will actually help me better, be better tomorrow? And that's our sense of competence is that we are basically learning something every day that will make our work and our, our lives more manageable. I love this. I mean, taking those minutes to reflect on whether these psychological needs are, are being met or ha in what ways, autonomy, relatedness, and competence. Because if you're waiting for the outside world to satisfy your psychological needs, you'd be waiting for a very long time. Yeah, that's right. So Susan, what's the best way our listeners can find out more about you and your work? Well, I have a website, www.susanfowler.com, and that is me. It's not the, um, <laughs> the Uber gal. And um, I also, uh, Kevin, have a free motivational outlook assessment. Oh, if wow. people want to, to take that, and then it'll kick back immediately what your results are in terms of whether you're optimally or suboptimally motivated on something. So just having that awareness is really fun. That is great. I'm going to take that um, myself. Well, thank Good. you, Susan, for the time today. And again, we'll, we'll do a part two on this so we can dive deeper. That'd be great, Kevin. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. So friends, you've just been mentored by Susan Fowler. You can get the link she just mentioned and the notes from this interview over at leadx.org. And of course, get Susan's book from amazon.com or your favorite bookstore. Until next time, remember, leadership is about influence, not authority. It's not about your title. We are all leaders. The question is, what kind of leader will you be?